Black Broadway podcast. You're here with me, Ainsley. Unfortunately, we don't have any Kieran this week, but that is by the by because I have my good friend, Cassie, with me. She has agreed to help me co-host this episode, so welcome to Black Boy Joy, Cassie. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Since you're my co-host, I will let you introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. Tell me a bit about yourself. <laughs> so yes I am Cassie I am actually on another podcast I am one half of the Departure Lounge yay shameless plug shameless plug um and yeah I am one of AZ's very good friends happy to be here Ains. yes yes happy to have you it's one of those situations where like you would have been on a podcast like sooner or later it just happened so happened to work out that it's sooner well that's good I appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> So for those of y'all who don't know, which will be everyone, but for everyone who doesn't know, um, <laughs> we've been friends for, how long have we friends now? For my, since about four years, maybe? Five years. Like, I think it's like, I think it's like four and a half, maybe, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we both started, we both met working for a company that will, will remain nameless. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to give them no airtime. We don't. Like I said, like I always use my my homegirl Tiana Taylor. What no free promotions? I ain't calling no names out. No free promotions. Um, that's for the real, way that real. we'll deal with with, with this company. <laughs> but um, the only thing I would say about it is that it is in the realm of property. And working at that, that place for a year, I came to realise that, like, all of the stereotypes about estate agents are just completely true. Like, their stereotypes are there for a reason. See, I knew that before you, because I've been in property for donkey's years now. So mm-hmm. I knew the stereotypes. And mm-hmm. it was it, it is, is what it is. Like, it's incestuous. All they do is fuck each other and take drugs. So, mm-hmm. you know, work barely gets done, let's be real, by certain individuals. But you know we move that company like um, without any like without exaggerating I'd say I disliked a good 90 to 95 percent of the um of the cohort it's like the cohort of staff there of I'd say a good what 150 staff altogether yeah yeah I probably liked about 10 people if that yeah a handful a handful of people that I thought about that company. <laughs> yeah. As we said, when we left that company, who's I take with me? You. About four, four, three, four people, four people. Yeah. You, you had four. your, you had your girls group in it. So um, maybe like, more than four. Maybe maybe eight. No. Let's let's say seven. Let's settle on seven. If I've forgotten anybody, I'm sorry. But I'm gonna say seven. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, since we've both uh, we've both escaped that hellscape, we've both like living our life, flourishing, doing our own podcasts. That part, that part. So yes, you mentioned that you were one half of the Departure Lounge podcast. Why don't we start with that? Tell us what Departure Lounge podcast is. What can we expect from it? Oh, okay. So the Departure Lounge podcast is basically me and my co-host Tilly. Um, we both love travel. Uh, we both love food. So we basically talk about travel, more so travel, not so much food, which is my bad because I'm a food plug, shame on me. Um, but basically we try and give people like travel tips. We have like a hotspot of the month every month. This month is Portugal. 
We also have a segment called Rums of the World, which is my baby. I do love a rum. Um, where I basically try a rum every week, critique it, give it a rating between one to ten. I think the highest rating I've given is to Mount Gay, and I gave that a nine. A nine out of ten? Nine out of ten. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> okay, the shade. What, what you gonna say about, about good old Mount Gay? To be fair to you, I'm not gonna shade Mount Gay. I've I know I've tried it before, but I reckon I've tried it like when I'm like already a few drinks deep. And okay. if you wanna like if you wanna like drink wrong or drink any alcohol to appreciate the flavour, that's not what you do. <laughs> so, this is true. Yeah, so I ain't gonna shade. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I'm not gonna shade it. I'm glad. Which, mm -hmm. a, which is a British made rum, take from that what you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, it ain't great, it's not great. I think I gave it like a four, maybe a three. Plus, yeah, between three or four, it wasn't good. Okay, so what we're saying is we scratched that one, scratched that one from our uh, from our memory banks. That part, and I can't even give that drink away, that's how bad it is. <laughs> it's deep, Are I cannot like... even give it away. Can't you like mix it in something like mix it in what like a punch? Yeah, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> the drink note tastes good. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, your so was it last year that you had was it a housewarming? Your flat warming or like two years ago? Like, what's been two years ago since we've no, been in? No, it was last year. My birthday. Oh, last year for your birthday. Housewarming, yes. Yeah. Um. I had my first introduction to your to your rum punch. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I was waved after that. Like, after I remember, going, I remember going there. And I remember I was like, I was hungover. I was hungover to fuck. Actually, I remember. And then when I got there, you'd made that curry ghost and rice. Yep. You made that rum punch, and after two yep. glasses of rum punch, I was like, I'd gone like through all the stages of drunkenness. So from being hungover to being normal to being drunk again, like <laughs> it's not too glassy. Honestly, my rum punch is lethal and like my rum punch is so you know rum punch is good when you can't taste the liquor in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just juice essentially. And mm -hmm. that's what my rum punch is. You think you're drinking juice and then two yeah. juice now, you try to stand up and you can't feel your legs. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sign of a good rum punch, and I pride myself of making sure that my rum punch bangs. Yeah, I know many people. Many people who have um, who have underestimated a rum punch, I literally regret it. Let me tell you that I literally regret that. <laughs> Honestly, because like you know these places that do like um, the reggae brunches and stuff. Mm -hmm. I went to one last August. Now, it was for a friend's birthday, so I couldn't cuss. I was like, you know what, we're here. It's your birthday. I can't cuss. It's your thirtieth, so you know, let's let's do the thing. They said we get a bottomless rum punch for an hour. I was like, cool, calm. But the rum punch now, I couldn't smell no liquor, couldn't taste no liquor. I was like, okay, cool. Maybe it's a creeper. Mm -hmm. No. We had to buy shots of her nephew. Oh, Lord. Say it their was, name. Who, 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 are, who are these people? It was at Husk or Hutch in Paddington. And it was a reggae, um, reggae brunch. Can't remember who exactly did it. But yeah. And the food. The food. Why was my jerk chicken red? <laughs> why why was my jerk chicken red have you ever known jerk chicken to be red when hold on 
take it for one second. When you say red, <laughs> do you mean like, because if it was like on the outside, like a reddish brown, I think I could work with, like ready brownish. Is it like on no, the inside it was red. of it? It was red, like tomato red. Oh no, Martha. So that, that's not jerk chicken then. <laughs> Thank you. It's chicken and tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. But quick, jerk mm-hmm. chicken. So there was that. And it came with rice and peas. The rice was white. So that wasn't cooked, it wasn't cooked with the um it was cooked separately. Clear, yeah. clear as day, cooked separately. And I was like, I'm sorry, Jesus did not down the cross for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. no. How very dare you provide me this and call it call it jerk chicken and rice and peas? Which part? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they brought out the dessert. My friend, who is I don't think she's allergic to coconut, but she can't eat coconut for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They brought out cheesecake, yeah. Mm-hmm. She took a bite of cheesecake. She's like, yeah, there's coconut in it. And the girl's like, no, no, no. It's a whatever cheesecake it was. And she's like, no, no, let me see the packaging. Bring out the packaging now. They're masquerading it as like some apple or something cheesecake. What's the main ingredient in this cheesecake? Fucking coconut. coconut. Nah. Nah, you put the coconut on the last. And, and there's coconut in it. What? What? Oh, no, no. I was like, you know what? And and you're lucky I paid fa- £10 for this ticket, you know? Because if I paid more than that, I'm demanding my money back. Your rum punch <laughs> had no rum in it. I had to buy my own ray and add it to it and have shots. Your rice and mm-hmm. peas was not rice and peas. And your chicken, let me give you some chicken. It was tasty. It was red and tasteless. Bland as shit. Mm-hmm. You know what? That big one, two, um, like two things. One is that, especially in London, that now there is like, there's a taste for Caribbean food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for like casual listener, it's, it's hard for, like, it's hard for people to distinguish like, real Caribbean food from like just imitators yes 100% there are so many places that masquerade that say they're Caribbean and they're not Caribbean that or one. like yeah like uh want to dress up dress their, their their store up or their restaurant top nice like they got Jamaican flag all, all around it yes Turtle Bay I'm looking at you and then when you eat the food the food is not Caribbean it's not it's not made by Caribbean people doesn't have any Caribbean flavor it's just an imitation, something you something you stick onto your product to sell, basically. That part, and Turtle Bay is owned by a white Englishman and a Sri Lankan man. What do those two individuals know about Jamaican food, please? Just because you went to Kingston one time 10, 20 years ago does not qualify you to own a Caribbean restaurant. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. Yeah, the only thing about Turtle Bay is drinks. That's it. Like, this, I, said it I said it last week on the podcast. Do not go to Turtle Bay. Do not patronise them. If you patronise them, you're giving them the money, you're rewarding them for bastardising our food like this. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I, to be fair, the only time I've been, I've been to a Turtle Bay twice. I went to, no, three times. I went to one in Manchester when it first opened. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, Caribbean restaurant. I had a jerk burger because I didn't mm-hmm. trust the chicken. And I was like, you just basically give me a burger with barbecue jerk sauce in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what me, with a side of plantain and some chips. Mm-hmm. And then I went again because my friend was like, because you know, obviously they do the pre-opening where they, where the wait waiters and waitresses like do the test runs. Mm-hmm. So, all, so we didn't pay for the food, we actually just pay for the drinks. So I went mm-hmm. back with a friend of mine. She's like, "Oh, do you want to come?" And I was like, "It's free food. It's shit food, but it's free food. Why not?" Um, so I went and had the food, and then like, oh, mm-hmm. rate it out of ten. Trust and believe, I gave you, I gave them all zeros. <laughs> I was like, "You're trying to give a Jamaican this, and you want me to rate you out of ten, bruv." Come correct, mm-hmm. please. Come mm-hmm. correct. And then the last time was I was meeting a friend. She's like, "Oh, let's go have cocktails." And I was like, "It's happy hour. Why not?" 
but we need to finish mm-hmm. our drinks. So, yeah, three times. The cocktails there, I have to admit, are good. So um, when I was back living in Birmingham, I used to go fairly regularly when it first opened up. And they used to have a happy hour. They used to have one at like, I think it ended at like six and one that ended at like, one that started, sorry, after like 10 or 10.30. So what people used to do, like people like broadcast people like us, excuse me, is that they'd come, we'd arrive at like 20 past 10. Yep. And basically everyone, there'd be a whole line of people waiting for the, yep. waiting for 10.30 to hit so they can get their two for one cocktail, then it? Right, and then you go to the club after that because you're already licked and then we ain't got to spend the money in the club. I see you. <laughs> 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 I see you. I am from the days of what? When I went to Manchester, there was a place called um, Font. Two pound cocktails. And as two a broke-off student, two pound cocktails. Broke-off student, that was my favourite place. I'd mm-hmm. go with £20, spend £10 in front, get my cocktails, then go to the next spot, have my drinks, go home pissed. It's great. And sometimes I go home with change. It's fantastic. <laughs> when I was at uni, there was a place. I went to university to do my undergrad in Sheffield. There was a place called Corporation, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. On the Wednesday with their student night, if you went in a school uniform, that is their shirt and tie, you'd get it for a pound. And in that in that place, a uh, shot of vodka was fifty p, and you could get fifty p. You could get these what they call quad buds, that quadruple shots of vodka, and then filled with a mixer. And then it's these really shit like Iron Brew. You get that for two pounds. No. So, yeah. So when you're getting that, people are getting your mash. When I say mash up, Cassie, and mash up. That's like wild. people, yeah, go to wildness on like on that stage. People like just like just followed up like left, right, and centre. It was not it was um, nasty. It was nasty. See, the only equivalent I've got to that is I can't remember what club it was in in Manchester, but on a Monday it was nineties night, so mm-hmm. every drink was ninety p. Entry was ninety p. Mm-hmm. And yeah, shots and stuff for like ninety p. University is definitely where I discovered that me and Sambuca don't agree. Because <laughs> the first time. I figured it out. I was like, I, maybe it's other alcohol because I was drunk. Okay, cool. Second time, mixed and blend with all the liquor. I was like, okay, again, I mixed and blend. Third time, I was like, no, nah, bro. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> I, I literally, I went out with one of my friends, right? Me and her went out and then we ended up at a lock-in at this random club. Um, And then like, we get to hers, we have food in her room and obviously we eat and I put the plate by the bed because I wasn't going to go downstairs. Mm-hmm. I woke up in the middle of the night, threw up, went back to sleep, woke up. I had thrown up perfectly on the plate. <laughs> no, I'd some vomit got on the carpet or anywhere else was on the plate. I was like, you know what? Tickers. <laughs> but that's that when is... I realised Sambuca is not for me. Yeah. To be honest, I feel like we all learn about that the hard way. Like, yes. um, I don't fuck with Jack Daniels anymore. And that's because I've had just like... Just too many bad times. I remember there's been two times where I've got like really fucked up on Jack Daniels and the hangovers after that. Oh my lord. It is, it is not worth it. Yeah, not worth it. Not worth it at so whatsoever. Yeah, some movies that drink me, but my friend actually, her 18th birthday, because she's she's born in July. So she's the last one, she was the last one to turn 18. Mm-hmm. So she decided it would be a good idea to down a whole bottle of Malibu at her party, and then we go to a club. 
Yeah, yeah, make it, yeah, make it that club. <laughs> yeah, she didn't make, make it, it to the club, <laughs> and to this day, she cannot have Malibu. Like the smell alone sets her off. She can't, like yeah. she vomit. She can't touch it because yeah. <laughs> she dumped the whole bottle and it froth everywhere. And obviously, your vomit smell like Malibu. Yeah. <laughs> so she can't. And another one of my friends, when we were young, I think we were like what seventeen, maybe mm-hmm. sixteen, seventeen, and she got obviously everyone remembers um WKD. She of bought course. that, and obviously thinking you're bad, you're going to the corner shop and buying that. Like it's it's right. Looking back on it, it's fucking pixel. Like why are you putting that shit into your body? But mm-hmm. at that time, you know, you think you're bad drinking it. She drank so much she threw up, and her vomit was blue. <laughs> that surprised me. <laughs> wild. It was like a luminous blue as well. It was wild. Um, yeah. Boy. So the first three times I threw up from alcohol were the most embarrassing times. Oh, my Lord. So I'm not going to tell all three of them, but I will let you choose to see one of them. So one, Ooh. two, or three. Give me, give go me for two. one. In the middle, let's go give two. Two. <laughs> two is the worst one. Two is the worst <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's set the scene. It's um, my friend's New Year party. Is it New Year? Yeah, your New Year's party. You used to have it like every single year. Mm-hmm. I, this wasn't the first year that I went. I think I'd, I'd been a pretty regular attendee of that party every now and again. That year was the year that kind of like put me off my nephew, not my nephew, sorry, Jack Daniels, uh, Jack Daniels whiskey. Before then, I loved it. I brought a bottle of Jack Daniels with me. Somehow, so the normal one, not the honey one. Not the normal one. Not, okay. not the honey one. And I was drinking it. Uh, but I, I basically I backed off that bottle, like that whole, basically that like, throughout the whole night, basically to myself. And at this point, I think I was like nineteen years old. But believe me, this is the first of many, many rookie errors <laughs> that night. And by this time, so I think I was nineteen. I'd thrown up for alcohol a total of one time in my life. Whereas uh, my friends were fucking all over the shop, man. Like every other time, you'd see um. You have to go, go collect them from the toilet. Oh, wow. So as I was getting progressively drunker, I was like, if people were like, oh, you need to do this, like, you need to have a sit down, you need to, like, take on. I'm like, basically saying, like, I'll never follow up. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you, you do you and I'm going to do me was my attitude at the time. <laughs> so I'm in the host bedroom now. I'm, like, seeing stars because I'm so licked at this point. I don't know what up from down is. <laughs> and I thought, let me go take a bit of a lie down on this bed. Mm-mm. Wow. <laughs> I lie down for about maybe three, four minutes. And then I get up. And when I get up, all I can say is that I lie in a projectile vomit. <gasps> go from my mouth into his room. <laughs> oh! oh, no. So I myself to the toilet to go pick myself up and then I went home the next day I hear that like it wasn't just like I just thought I'd just threw up a bit and then left it was like on his bed it was like, <gasps> in his room it was like on his like new like new Christmas present and oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I don't embarrass up myself. The way I would have cussed and beat your backside. Wow. This is how you know, like, this is how you know 
that the horse was white because if it was if it was a black person you and your drunken state your car, I'm dragging your clock back to my house to clean it the way I would have been the way I would have been if it was a black person that, that I had that, that happened to the way I would have had to have been dragged there to, to clean, clean up all that shit but to be honest with you they were very forgiving they were very 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 fucked up so fine about it that's the difference between black and white people, for real, for real. That is the difference. That is, that is the difference. <laughs> that happened in a black household. You're never welcome back, bro. What part party was part? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, if you're acting that way, like, and your parents, and your parents caught wind of that person, you ever come into that house again? You are excommunicated, excommunicated from the whole family. One hundred percent. One thousand percent. Oh wow! No, I've never done that. I think the worst story for me probably were oh god <laughs> having the, the recollection lord so I was I think I was 18 and one of my friends was linking a guy in Stratford I live we all lived in Northwest London between like Wilsden and like Kenton sides I know you have no idea where these places are um mm-hmm. but yeah so she was linking a guy in Stratford so we went to Stratford now obviously on her link because he had PF friends, she bought friends. You know what it is when you're like, you know, that age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided, yeah, let's go drink. Um, so I bought a bottle of vodka mm-hmm. and then a can of Sprite. Who told me, sir, a bottle, a 70cl bottle of vodka and a can of Sprite was going to help my life, please? So I mixed, I drank my, my vodka, my lemonade, good time, the lemonade finished, I carried on drinking the vodka. Lord. My friend was obviously doing her thing with, with, with her guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I lipsed the guy I was with and then was going to be sick because obviously I had too much to drink. I tried to be sick out the window. It was closed, so I bumped my head on the window and then went to the toilet put my face on the toilet seat because I was being sick and couldn't keep my head up. So I had a massive rash on my face that came up the next day. Oh. Got home, got was going home from Stratford back to my house in Neasden. So we got on the Jubilee line all the way and I threw up every single stop. Oh my, oh my God. Got off the train, walked up to the shopping centre and managed to get myself, or well, my, my friends managed to get me home. Put me on my doorstep. My mum opened the door, dragged me in by my hair, bust my claw, and I went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, I woke up and I didn't have my phone. I didn't have my Oyster card. Nothing. So luckily, it was back in the days where you had address books as well as mobile phones. Mm-hmm. So I went to my address book, called my girl on my house phone without my mum there because she was pissed at me. Um, called my girl and I was like, what happened last night? Where's my shit? She's like, I've got it. Um, I'll breach. I was like, don't come to my house because my mom don't like you. None of y'all bring it to work. So I had to walk from my house to Brent Cross Shopping Centre, which isn't far. And I got to work very hungover, very, feeling very sorry for myself. My friend and her mom walk in and she was like, oh, I heard you had an event for a night. And I'm looking at her like, please don't shame me, please. <laughs> <laughs> so my friend gave me my phone. Gave me my Easter card. Oh my god! And my mum didn't talk to me for like a week. She was not impressed. Mm-hmm. Not impressed. Oh lord! But yeah, that's probably the worst I ever got. And I used to hold the tour. But back then, I still do. 
actually hold the title as a heavyweight amongst my friends. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. night ended that run swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just have a bad night, you know. Sometimes when you're like when you're drinking, you just have a bad night. Like you don't eat enough, like you don't eat enough beforehand. The drinks you have in there agree with you. Sometimes it beats that way. Exactly. Like it, it, it you're not always gonna be on form. You're not always gonna be on form. So mm-hmm. people need to realise it. Now I'm right. Like, I don't get sick often. If I do, it's because I've had a hell of a lot to drink. Mm-hmm. But touch wood, I haven't actually thrown up in a minute. Oh, wish I could say the same. But moving <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've got you on the podcast, mm-hmm. we can finally discuss. So, um, I, I, usually, um, I usually host the show with Kieran. And he doesn't really take an interest in RuPaul's Drag Race and all the things drag. But I know that you and I are both about Drag Race stands. Yes, I am a fanatic. I love it. All hell, Queen Simone. Yes, Simone, yay. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> what did you think of season 13? Um, to be honest, bitches should have been going home from the get-go. This whole pork drop loading bay bullshit. Nah, we should have been calling mm-hmm. bitches from the jump, okay? Yeah. But it, it, it had some good moments. There were some very good fashion moments. Mm-hmm. But some of the cast, I don't care for. Like Tamisha Iman said, some of you bitches, I don't really care for. And yeah. I'm going to let you know, because like Candy Muse, I don't fuck with. Mm-hmm. Like, I watching the season back, because obviously I watched it when it first came out. And mm-hmm. then I like to go back and rewatch in case I missed anything. <laughs> and I watched the whole season again. And I still didn't fuck with Candy. Like, she just, she doesn't strike me as a nice person at all. Yeah. That's been top four as far as I'm concerned. She visibly lost the lip sync to Simone. Sorry, spoiler alert. But she visibly lost the um the lip sync to Simone. So she should have gone home. Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, that is like one of the more baffling decisions that we have, that we have made. Is cheating to have basically like a double chante for Candid Muse when she was the worst in the challenge, she was the worst in the thing, just send the bitch off, send her off. Thank you. She didn't need to be there. She should have gone home like that time. And like the only reason that she didn't do well, um, she did better than Rose in the final against Spoiler Alert, Soz, um, is because Rose had had an injury. Yeah. If yeah. Rose was on form, I don't think she would have gotten through. Mm-hmm. So I think season 13 is not one of my favourites. That has not taken anything away from the winner Simone because I do love her. I have to say that it did take me a while to warm up to her. Really? Yeah, like when she first when she first first came on and she was doing her lipstick against um Tamisha Iman that I thought Tamisha should have won. I I did not like her first look at all. I thought it was like very, very self-indulgent. And like I get if that. she didn't it just didn't make sense to me. So it definitely like took me like took me some time to warm up to her. But then like her looks on the one way were just like A1 hurt and got mixed, I'd say. Yes. Yes. Where A1. But I think you're right. I think the season altogether was just wholly just way too long. Yep. I 100%. think certain people in the show, Candy Muse being one of them, who just got way far, way further than they should have done. Yep. And Tina Burner, who I just really, really just took a complete disliking to on the show. Same. I thought they detracted from the show. Um, it just wasn't hitting, to be honest with you. 
No, like it wasn't that great a season to be fair. Like for me, as soon as I saw Simone, I, I fell in love. I was like, oh my God, like I, I love your look. I love your confidence, everything about you. Like I know you're going to give me something this season. So I was very happy when I saw her. Mm-hmm. Um, one person I'm sad that didn't do well is Lala Ree. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like she brought it in her first, her first look was basic, yes, but she owned it in all its basicness. And what, you mean just, what you mean that that, that that paper bag challenge? No, she didn't own shit with that. That was fuckery. She deserves <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, you'd in all the years we've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah, Michelle says it every freaking season. Do not come out here in a corset and or a certain piece of fabric wrapped around your body. What did the bitch do? She glued paper bags to a corset, put on a panty and a shoe and put some fucking hair <laughs> on her head top and came on the runway. How dare you? So drag queens, like multi-talented people, got to do a diet, understand all of that. But from when I'm seeing you produce an, produce an outfit that I know for sure I could do better than you, and I ain't no damn fiends for slam. It needed I felt like go home. That it was just just oh, disgraceful. It was terrible. She took little paper, she didn't even cut them up. She didn't even cut up the bags. She just stuck yeah. bags onto the corset. Onto a corset. That was it. That was and record it a day. Right. Like, what would she do? But you know what? I, I get where she came from because in season 12, um, what is her name? The bedroom queen who everyone was gunning for. Season 12? Yes. Um, the spooky queen. I know I'm like stereotyped massively here. Aiden. Aiden Zane. Oh, Aiden Zane, yeah. yeah. With the ball challenge, she got a corset and stuck black and white balls on the factory and called it a day. And mm-hmm. she was safe that challenge. <laughs> yeah. I think Valerie yeah. was probably thinking, I get a few bag, one, two bag, I stick on the corset and I'm good. But I think with her, she had an idea, but the execution was just not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, nothing was there, like, nothing was there. And now, like, as great as a performer she is, that's what, like, that's what her legacy of, of RuPaul's Drag Race is going to be. That's what yeah. everyone's going to be thinking of when they think of La La Ree. Yeah, basically. The paper bag challenge, because, yo. And in that challenge, actually... Tamish Iman, although she's a seamstress, her look was not, it wasn't great. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but it was just, it was, I know she's an older queen, like she's almost 50, I get it, but the look was hella dated. It just wasn't, and it wasn't polished, it was just, it was well put together. That's about it. I just think we've, Tamisha Iman, but that look in particular in the, on the bag ball challenge, I just think that she just didn't edit. So, yeah. like, when you're making something and you put in, like, this, this, that, and the other thing together, like, you take two elements and take them away. And that's what she didn't do on the challenge. So, it just made it, it just made it look like a bit of a hodgepodge, just like a bit of a mess. Yeah, true. I get that. Yeah, that's very true. Because everyone and else had, like, a specific look. Mm-hmm. And they had an editing eye, and she really didn't, because, like, I really liked um, so Got Mix look in that challenge was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Tina Burner, who really needs to leave the bloody red and orange and all them colours of yellow alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she made a dress out of a beanbag, which was pretty good. 
mm-hmm. Elliot with mm-hmm. two T's as well, make use a, a pink and white like cow um cow print beanbag and made a dress and a cape to go with the mm-hmm. dress. So mm-hmm. like yeah, people had good ideas. Yeah. And executed them well and they were seamstresses. But even then, Simone wasn't a seamstress, but she managed to pull off a decent look. Mm-hmm. It was hella True. basic, but it was decent. I mean, it was it was better than Nala V anyway. That that's all that's all she needed. That's My all she needed. Your niece could put together a better fucking look than Lala V. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I am never gonna forgive the fact that you went on good put on RuPaul's good good runway with bags <laughs> glued to a corset and a pink fairy something upon your head top. I'm never gonna forgive you. I love you, Lala V. If you ever hear this, I do. But I can never forgive you for bringing out on the people them good good runway. I can't. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I, I. I. I'd be remiss if I if we were talking about the bag challenge, and I didn't mention my girl Utica, with just the most stunning yes. look I think I've ever seen in Drag Race history. The best made look anyway. The best look that has been constructed in the workroom. There, there is yes. another one like it. There isn't because she made that look out of sleeping bag. She in the same amount of time that La La mm-hmm. glued. one in the end she was robbed it should have been hers but um we gave it to got mickey instead of her which i'm still salty about again that's another <laughs> another one fair but yeah she did very well in that challenge she definitely should have won like saying that what other challenges actually do you think do you think all the challenges deserve their winners this season mm, i can't like i'm even struggling to remember most of the challenges to honest with you i remember that got me couldn't have won that one tra- that challenge. I actually think rather than the challenge winner, it's more who's in the bottom two that I've disagreed with. Okay, all right. It's so, for instance, so for when, remember when Tina Burner and Utica were in the bottom two? Yes. When they had to make their advert to sell what their like their drink or their whatever yes. the hell it was. Yes, yes, yes. Got Mick with that got got Mick sex sex juice whatever the hell it was. He should have been the bottom two for sure. For 100%. sure, it was the worst. It was the worst advert of everybody's. It was terrible. It was that. Yeah, that advert was. Her, yeah, all three of them actually. Because Utica's was crazy. I was like, "What? You're sucking on a on a on a udder, bruv. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're sucking on a udder. Like, what the hell? And then flipping Tina Burners again. I get it. Like, you know, fire and shit is your brand. I get it. But come on, man. She didn't deserve to be in the bottom two. Like I could, I not just I disliked Tina Burner and I did dislike her. She, I don't think it should have been. It should have been Utica and got me in the bottom two. But I think that like I reckon like Rue and the producers had done that strategically because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if how confident they were that got me could would get through the lip sync if she had to lip sync against Utica. True. Yeah, and obviously they wanted her to do well because I know Rue's had some controversial or said some controversial things about. Um, Trans people in the past. Yeah, so, girl, yeah. yeah. I get it. I get, yeah, she's trying to save her own ass. I get it. Ratings and the things like that. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we um should change tack. Yeah, no more drag Obviously. race. Sorry, drag race people. Sorry, guys. We love our drag race. 
we could spend literally all night talking about Drag Race. Honestly, we have done many a night. We have, <laughs> we have, we have like a third friend who does not watch the show. Yes, I'm not going to say your name, Camille. I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm putting you out on blast here. We have tried our absolute hardest to get you to, uh, to watch the show, and they didn't watch you. And it ain't even just this show. They're this show. They're insecure. There's all these things that I tried to put her on. There's pose. Pose. All these shows that we try that we really try to put her on to. And she ain't doing it. And she's watching that, watching that damn that what pretty dreadful stupidness on TV. Instead. <laughs> you know what? Like she is she's been on season three of Drag Race for ages, yeah. For a good couple months now. And I'm like, I, I yeah. get you've got other things to do. I understand it, but girl. By the time you get to season three, we're gonna go to season 24, bruv. Like <laughs> it's true, it's the truth. And the thing about it is that what? Yeah, like she didn't even know that was a season two of Drag Race UK. She was, she was, she was still on that on that one season one. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Because the thing is, her other friend or our other friend Hannah watches it too. So me and mm-hmm. Hannah, when me and Hannah get together, we're like, oh my god, Drag Race. And she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tangela, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to ask, obviously, as you can tell, we are both black people. <laughs> Who gave it away? <laughs> uh, black and proud people. And yeah, yeah. yes, and obviously, um, when it comes to the whole issue of LGBT people, especially actually probably it's probably quite time that we talk about it now. It's Pride Month. I feel like our black community is sometimes lacking. So, in fact, I don't think I know sometimes it's like in, I kind of feel like yeah. us as a community are just a bit behind the curve. Yeah, truth. It's actually interesting because I don't think we've had a conversation like this before where, when it comes, so I guess a good way for me to describe it is that like when I come out to people, I'm always hesitant about coming out to black people because I never quite know which way people are going to take it. Yeah, Most that's people. Cool. Yeah, if they're my age, I, I, if they're, well, if they're women, well, if they're black women my age, then I tend to be a bit better. So, yeah, so, like, I don't expect there to be any, any kind of blowback to it, but, like, that men is a whole different story. So, yeah. I can understand why, because I think, seeing as we're both, obviously, black and Caribbean, from a very young age, being LGBTQIA plot, like it's not the thing in that community. Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna say you get punished and like chastised, but you kind of do, because I've got friends that don't talk to their parents anymore because they're gay. Like one of my mm-hmm. friends, him and his mum get on like a house on fire. like literally he's his his mum is his best friend and has been his best friend since obviously before he came out and even more so after but mm-hmm. his dad they don't talk and his dad's Bayesian mm-hmm. and his dad yeah him and his dad do not categorically like they're like frown ice oil and water they don't mix at all like Christmas time he'll go to the house see his mum in the morning 
give her her present and he'll leave. He won't say shit to his dad. Mm-hmm. And I think in our community, it's we need to take the time to educate the older generation because mm-hmm. it's all well and good you being brought up and having these beliefs and whatnot. But what you're failing to understand is you were given all of these beliefs by a country that obviously outlawed homosexuality for a time and now they're progressive they're like oh my god how can you out outlaw sexual homosexuality and whatever else but you did it our mm-hmm. laws are based on your laws mm-hmm. so i think mm-hmm. we need to help and educate the older generation and mm-hmm. not just so much them but i feel like cishet males black males in particular they also need a very very good long and strong education in it as well because mm-hmm. I think some of them feel threatened and I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. I feel like they feel like their sexuality is being threatened, but I, again, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I think that, but like for us as black men, I kind of think that there's like, there's a standard. I think there's like a pressure on us in particular to be like as masculine as mm. possible and to be mm. like this one archetype of a man, of a black man. And I feel like anything that deviates from that, or anything that is like, that is not, it questions like a lot of things. Like when it comes to especially like the LGBT thing, but like being gay, being queer, I mm. kind of think that like people say that, see that as like, it's not for black people, it's for like people like, who are Western basically. And so yeah. it's almost as if like it's an affront to them, like as not only as, people as men but as like as black people as well that kind of like it's like we're being like polluted by like what is supposed to be like a white man's curse which of course it's just not like it's just it's just not like that at all yeah and I think that's the kind of stereotype that we get fed as Caribbeans in particular like homophobia is rife in the Caribbean like it is disgusting like the songs that have come out of Jamaica, yes, I sing along, I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I would still call them bangers, but we shouldn't be singing them. We know we shouldn't be singing them. Mm-hmm. They're wrong, but no one ever called them out on it. Or no one mm-hmm. that was also black called them out on it. They're like, oh yeah, you know, it's just, it's just Jamaicans, it's just dance, it's this. But we should have been the first to be like, yeah, you know what, I get it's a banger, but them lyrics, they can't run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree and I just think it's like one of those things that just feeds into a culture like a, a culture of homo of sorry homophobia mm. and I guess like on the other side of your of like on misogyny which I know is also rife and like a lot of the songs that we sing like what song was things like the other day um you know that girl Shalian Shalian yeah yeah one bag of man yeah and they're always talking about like, pumping up, pump, pump, pumping up, pump, pump, and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, it's true. Like, yeah, for like dance was definitely rooted in some parts, some ways. Yeah, misogyny and homophobia and a whole lot of violence. Like, at the moment in Jamaica, the violence against women is fucking off the charts. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's disgusting what's happening over there right now. Like, I love my countrymen, I love my country, but the mm-hmm. way that they're handling women over there right now, there and Trinidad, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. I was wondering 
Um, not to change the subjects lightly, but um, I mean, given our own our own upbringing, I think it's easy for us both. Well, you as uh, well as a CTEP person, and me as a queer person, I think it'd be easy for you to like slip into kind of like that same headspace. So I wonder, I'm wondering, like, what's brought you to the place now where you can call yourself like an ally ally of the LGBT community? What do you think has brought you to this space? I think it was. So one of my friends came out to me when I, well, when we were 17. So we already knew he was gay. Like it, it was, you know, when the, it's, it's one of the ones where we know, you know, but, but you're, you're not sure yourself yet, but everybody else around you already knows. Mm-hmm. We're already aware. We're just waiting mm-hmm. for you to come to that realisation. Mm-hmm. It was, from when we were kids, so me and him grew up together pretty much. Like he lived down the road for me, we went to the same primary school and we went to secondary school around the corner for mine. And he was always hanging with the girls. Like, he was never interested in sports. I was more, like, masculine, in a sense, in my teenage years than he was. I was the one that was playing basketball and football. And he was like, oh, Cass, uh, come, let's let's go, like, dance class. I was like, I'm good. You go dance class. I'm going to go play football or go play whatever. Mm -hmm. And he did used to get picked on. I used to be the one to be like, yeah, that you can't do that. It's not fair. It's not okay. At the time, let's say, I didn't really know what it was, but I knew he was different. But Mm -hmm. I couldn't articulate it back then. And it wasn't until I hit, I think, 16, where I was like, I understand why you're different, but I don't think you understand why you're different. So I can't call you what you don't know. So I'm going to just keep my mouth shut and just be like, I think I know, but hold Mm -hmm. on to it. And then when we hit 17, we started, like, went to college, I think we were go I was I just I think I'd come home from college and he literally came out to me pretty much on his doorstep and I was like oh okay so you realize now you get it and mm-hmm. he was like I'm terrified to tell my mom I'm terrified to tell my dad I was like your mom's gonna love you anyway I was like your dad we, we don't know but your mom's gonna love you anyway and then he told um someone else in the family they were cool with it and I think it was seeing him go through the trying to butcher up around his dad then go to the accepting himself for who he was and then just living openly and proud as a gay man in the space of like 10 years made me see that it's hard to be a black gay or queer person Mm -hmm. and you need more allies in the African Caribbean community because it's not easy based on the fact that You've got people that are deeply religious in our culture that don't agree with it point blank. Then you've Mm -hmm. got the homophobia that is in all of our nations that is rife that, again, people don't agree with it point blank. You need a safe space. You need somewhere or someone you can talk to because you may Mm -hmm. not have that in your family. And lucky for my friend, he had that in his mum, but it was his mum and probably an aunt and that was it. Everyone else was Mm -hmm. not having it. And mm-hmm. when they weren't around, if they were, because they used to go on holiday together all the time, if they weren't around, there was no one else you could talk to but me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I, that's the first time I kind of found my voice, in a sense, to kind of be an ally. And then mm-hmm. again, when I got to uni, one of my other good friends, he was saying, he was adamant he was straight. One of my friends who has, so many like gay friends was like, yeah, Cassie's not straight. Like he's lying to you, he's, he's not straight. And he was like, oh yeah, I got a girlfriend, he's the third. 
And then he came out to me and my other friend, and he was like, yeah, I've been lying. I've been, I've been dating this, this man for X amount of months and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I, at first I was hurt. I was like, why didn't you tell me like from the get-go? And he's like, no offense, babes, but you're black. And I was like, he's black too, by the way. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm so, I was like, I, I was offended. I was like, I'm sorry, what's wrong? I'm black. He's like, I, I'm not comfortable telling black people straight away because I don't know how they're going to react to me. Mm-hmm. And then in my head again, it clicked. And I was like, you needed a safe space. And because I'm pumping bashment and I'm cussing and doing all this stuff, you didn't feel comfortable enough to tell me. Mm-hmm. And a part of me kind of internalised that a little bit. And I was like, what, why didn't I make myself approachable? But at the same time, I was like, I need to be open to have conversations. And I don't, I'm not judgmental. I don't come across as judgmental. But I can understand why from the things that I do sometimes and the things that I used to say, why you wouldn't feel comfortable bringing that to me. Mm-hmm. So now I would say that I'm an ally because I want to make sure that any of my friends or family or whoever it is, is comfortable enough. You don't have to come out to me. I'm not saying you have to every day. Oh yeah, by the way, just see where I'm gay. Like, I'm not saying that. But mm-hmm. I would like you to feel comfortable around me and we can have regular conversations. That in the day, you're human. Who you love is who you love. It is what it is. I don't care. Mm-hmm. As long as you're a cool person, you've got a good heart, like, we can vibe. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, for me, like, and if my kids turn around and say, oh, yeah, mum, by the way, I'm gay. Okay, cool. I know, I left you. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to judge. And like, if my, my, you know, my the, the kids come out to my family members and any one of my family members wants to move, move mad, I will show you mad in it. Like you're not going to disrespect me or my kids. Mm-hmm. Did you just say sorry? If you wanted to move mad, I will show you mad. Is that what yes. you just said? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because at the end of the day, like my kids are my kids in it. Like you can't. I'm never. I would never. I'm never going to disown anybody because of your sexual preference or sexual orientation. I don't business. Like you love, you love. At the end of the day, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. in the same breath, if one of my children says to me, okay, mom, you're born a boy, but you want to be a girl. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's mm-hmm. see what's going on here. And if you want to mm-hmm. transition after you've thought about it, you've married it and all that, cool, you've got my support 100%. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's like, it's really tough to like, I, like, I don't know, I've, I've, been, I've never been on the other side of it before. So I've been to like, accept someone, because I imagine, or the way it is that obviously people have like when you have a child people have like their expectation or things they want for them yeah and when it when so when they come out it's kind of as if like the brakes hit on that like immediately and so I always sort of kind of feel that no matter what no matter like what happens from then there's always going to be that bit of disappointment that like you're not going to be that person that like they wanted you to be if that makes sense I get that because I think from that side of it like because talking to my friend's mum she was like yeah I thought you know I'd go to his wedding and see him marry a woman and you know talk to his his um wife when she's having kids and we can share that experience like tell her what I did to sort out my morning sickness and da 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 and Obviously, she he doesn't talk to his dad, but obviously the mum and dad are still together. I think the dad's kind of point of view was that's my son. 
my son is not going to carry on my name. My son's not going to do X. My son's not going to do this. I'm like, I get it, but they can still have kids. It's not, mm-hmm. what do you mean they can't have kids? Like they can still, fair enough, you can't have conversations with, with, with the baby mum about morning sickness mm-hmm. and whatever, but they can still have kids. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. going to be on the end all. And at the end of the day, your son is still your son. Like, I will never understand why a parent will disown their child because of their sexual orientation. Like, it, it doesn't, it don't sit right with me. That's my blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, it's, it's, when, it's when you let your own prejudices or your inherited prejudices, like, to, to me, that's more important to you than your child, essentially. That's yeah. what it is. So yeah. You're, so what, when people do that, you're, what, what to me you're saying is that like your reputation, stuff like, yeah, your, your reputation, your prejudices, all these things that you think and feel about this one thing is more important to you than actually like your love and care and support for this person that you made, that you're supposed to love more than anybody else. Yeah, that is true. And, and it sucks because like, I get one of, one of my friends cannot categorically has said he is not coming out at all he's like mm-hmm. he, he said at one point i'm gonna just marry a woman and give my mom her grandkids and i was like don't you dare mm-hmm. i was like you need to live your authentic self and if things happen things go left i get it but people will be here for you but you can't you cannot marry a straight woman and have kids because you do not know what that will do to a woman and your kids mm-hmm one, if you're doing yeah. your thing on the side with, with, with whoever you're doing it with. And two, when your kid, like, it's like this whole Philip Schofield thing. You're married for 27 years. Mm-hmm. Had picked me and all sorts. And yeah, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, my wife is supportive because your wife's a beard. That's mm-hmm. why your wife's supportive, because your wife's a beard. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of situations like that before, like, um, people who like people who are queer and uh, who then come out like they get into heterosexual marriages and then those marriages break down. It's just like it's extremely messy. It's yeah, yeah. It's messy for you, for the kids, for the woman. It's like everyone, it's messy for everybody everyone involved. Yeah. So why yeah, put yourself is. through that? Why even think that? And you think it because society has told you you're supposed to get married to a woman, have kids with a woman and go from there but what is normal Mm -hmm. that's that's my take because I studied sociology from what the age of 16 up until I was what in my 20s I don't see what society says to me as normal because what is normal Mm -hmm. I'm from a single parent household that ain't normal but here Mm -hmm. I am one of my friends is from a two-parent household she's got two mums that's not normal but she's come out and she's great like mm-hmm. what society deems as normal is not always normal and is not always right. Mm-hmm. So we need to take a, I think as a society, especially with black people, we need to take a step back. One, we need to stop judging people because it's not fair. It's not right. We need to mm-hmm. stop saying, Oh, you can't be this because of the church. At the end of the day, like obviously spirituality and religion and all that sort of stuff is different for everybody. I understand that. But what we need to stop doing as a collective and as a community is stop saying that because you're you're choosing another path away from the church, that it's demonic or that it's not right. 
or you're going mm-hmm. to hell. We need to stop that shit. Mm-hmm. We need to stop mm-hmm. it. It needs to be cut out because just because I'm not adhering to the rules that you you want me to follow because you read your Bible, it's not for me. Maybe for yeah. you, it's not for me. And you can't tell me that I'm wrong because I'm not going to follow the same rules that you have. That's not on. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I just think that I don't think people realize the damage that they're doing. Like, if mm. you tell someone, if like, if you tell someone, either by by actually saying it or by the things that you do, the words that you say, um, by the music you listen to, by the whole culture that someone grows in, they will be, that that child, that person will believe it, will believe that yeah. they're wrong, and that will have such a huge impact on them, like going off, living their life. And I say that because I know that from experience. Mm. So it's just the uh, like the, I feel like it's a conversation that that needs to go on. It needs to go on because although there is progression, so I I say that like as a culture we've moved we've progressed in the last what 15, 20 years. It's yep. not progressing fast enough. It really nope. isn't. And in this time, there are too many people who are ending up being traumatized, being damaged, making decisions based out of their fear and out of their um yeah out of their fear and out of their kind of like what like self-loathing or something that you shouldn't be ashamed of something that can be an inspiration of like joy creativity all of those things if you allow it to be yeah definitely and I feel like for me when I'm around like when I'm in LGBT spaces I just, I, I feel like I can be free and I'm straight for the most part. Like I, mm-hmm. it's just, it's being around people that are just living their best lives, doing them, being creative and just doing some amazing things in the world, especially in forward community as well. I feel like it's just a great place, mm-hmm. but it takes time to find that. You need to find your tribe. Mm-hmm. And especially like when you've got, kids from certain areas like I was reading something a couple of months ago and it was like a kid growing up on a council estate didn't really know what was going on knew that he wasn't attracted to girls wasn't sure if he was gay but didn't really have anywhere to turn to didn't want to have didn't really have anyone to talk to and I was like in certain spaces we need to make sure that the youth of today have got people to talk to mm-hmm. I know that obviously and you and you, obviously the podcast is great because it is a great resource. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for kids in particular, mm-hmm. we need to do more. Cause I also saw a video from the States that was on um Trinity K Bonet's Instagram. A mm-hmm. little kid was basically being abused for being gay in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and they managed to like track down the house and track down the people and they removed him. They put him into like child services to make mm-hmm. sure that he's peaceful they find him somewhere where he's actually got a house that he's loved in because from mm-hmm. what I can gather from all the stuff that I saw they're abusing him because he was gay and that's not fair that's not right mm-hmm. it's, it's not okay off. and it's really I can off, imagine yeah. yeah like I can imagine a lot of kids not just in the states but here are having all these thoughts and feelings but they haven't got anyone to talk to they don't know where to turn and because society or, or their society like where they, like their community is telling them that what they're feeling is wrong they're internalizing hate and that's that's not okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i completely agree i completely agree i feel like i want to lighten the mood a bit i don't want to end on ooh. this now <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so i guess 
uh, got thing else. We're, we're talking about TV and last. And you know what? We were talking about the black community before. And mm-hmm. that just made me think of the new series of Love Island, basically. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you've been watching this this um this season. You know what? I only started watching Love Island not last year, year before. The only yeah. reason I did is because a friend of mine was on it. And she was in yeah. 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 So yeah. the only reason yeah. I started watching it is because I was gonna I had to root for my girl. Like I'm voting, put on my Instagram, I was like, yeah. Then mm-hmm. last year I watched it because of what's his name? Mike? Mike. Yes. Um, my the Ghanaian, um, yes, the beautiful Ghanaian brother, yes, obviously yeah. much younger than me, but very nice to look at. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did also hear today that him and Priscilla broke up. I mean, that was coming, wasn't it? Yeah, but I was hoping the black love, I was praying, I was like, come on, guys, keep it, get it together, come on, man, do it, do it for the team, bro, do it for the team. <laughs> but yes, that they broke up, and he's dating some next chick that they lasted as long as they did. If was it mad it mad to me to be fair. My, you know what? I'm I'm I think they had a little bit more to go, but I think mm, yeah, I think I'd, I had think they could have give, given us a little bit more. Mate, mm, that they die, they did their thing, man. They did their <laughs> thing. They made up their money, like time to go their separate ways. Like I see, so I am the most when it comes to love, I'm the most cynical person you ever talked about it. And I, 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 it's not, it's not all someone to find your partner. It's someone, it's to basically get on the show for as long as you can, so you can get those deals, get the ASOS deal, get that pretty little thing um, contract to go in. Yeah, yeah. So you can make your peace. Like that's what, that's what it's for. If I was going on to, um, onto Love Island, that's exactly what I'd be thinking. I was actually saying to a friend, <laughs> I was saying to a friend the other day that like, um, I would, um, I would pretend to be straight and go on to, um, and go on Love Island. Just so I can get the that is exactly what they said to me. That's what exactly <laughs> what they said. You know like, what? Yeah, my mom, my mom watched Love Island, right? My mom called Curtis gay from the second she saw him on TV. She's like, "Oh, he's straight since when?" I was like, "Mummy," she's like, mm, "Look at him," and I was like, "Mom, like you can't, you know, stop it." Just third time, she's like, mm. yeah. and then when he came out, she's like, "Me to tell you," I was like, "Okay, cool, all right, mom." <laughs> I don't think it's not a gay. To be fair, I think like it. I think he like alluded to possibly being bisexual, but even that is it confirmed. It's not, but I'm sorry, my mom's gay door is never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> never wrong, but no. This season, I am gonna be watching. Um, I am intrigued by Kaz. I think her name is. Yeah, the black girl. I'm intrigued. She's stunning. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I just don't want her to be done dirty. Well, yeah. I think on Black Twitter, on Black UK Twitter, I should say, that's been, like, the conversation, um, like, recently that I've been seeing on there. I mean, first of all, Kaz, I do think that she looks that she looks great. Some, someone tweeted that, like, um, sis needs to get a bit of lace punch for the villain, and it's all she does. <laughs> I didn't even think her lace punch was that bad. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> that's deep. Oh, Black Twitter, man. Guys. Guys. Oh, you're not cutting deep. <laughs> um, I mean, 
I had to it, but to me, looking at the promo photos, that lace front wasn't hitting. I'm sorry, it wasn't hitting. Yeah, but them promo photos are never good. Yeah, I think you're done dirty, man. Like they could have come up with like with the next one. Would you ever catch Naomi Campbell in one like that? You wouldn't. But Naomi Campbell's got the money. This is what we. This is what we. We're not like mm-hmm. saying right. Lace fronts aren't cheap. Okay, mm-hmm. speaking speaking as as a woman, yeah, that that spends money on her hair. Mm-hmm. Lace fronts are not cheap. If you want a decent wig, you're you're set back a good seven hundred pounds for a good, good, good quality wig. Mm-hmm. If you're going in the villa, right, and you need a good couple of wigs, mm-hmm. that's dope. Unless you know someone that's going to be able to knock up them wigs and and whatnot. If you give them the hair, you're still mm-hmm. even then looking at about what two to three hundred pounds. So we'll see. I personally am too hood to go on Love Island and obviously now too old. Um, but if I was going to go on Love Island, I'm going on Love Island with braids. Fuck a wig. Fuck a weave. I'm braiding up. Mm-hmm. You but need that, to that find braid. some black hairstylist, bruv. I'm, I'm, I've got to have my twists. That when they start looking raggedy, you better fly me out a hairstylist, bro, because <laughs> doing, or, or send, give me all my products and I will moisturise and do, and I will have a twist out every fucking day. Watch me, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I am. I'm black twenty four seven anyway. But if you put me on TV for these white people, I'm I'm going to be black, to black, black, black. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I will have my. You know, I love my earrings. I'm gonna have my Queen of Nefertiti earrings, mm-hmm. the Queen earrings, all mm-hmm. them things there. Like I will be. Yeah. You can't. You can't put on them them shows because I'm gonna be black, to black, black, black. <laughs> You said you watched the Island in what well, the, the so you watched the one not last year but the year before with Ovi and Anna and then people that yeah yes. yeah so you didn't watch the year before that no, no but I've 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 heard I've heard things I've seen memes that I did laugh mm-hmm. at because I did get context but yeah. I didn't watch it fully no so um she is also she was uh, so it's. Of course, now infamous Samira that we're talking about. He I was, know Samira. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the black representation. I can see your face already. <laughs> My face is looking away because I may not have watched this this season, but I know she left for some man didn't fucking want her. Mm-hmm. And her hair weren't doing nothing. It's not even that. What it, what, what it was with her was just like, I think so. I think Samira was the first, the first dark skinned black woman that uh, that was on that was getting representation on the show, and the way that Twitter was going to bat for her, man, doing up war with Fiat Five Hundred Twitter, um, yep. doing all these like doing threads and everything, and then the second she stepped out of the house. A race wasn't a, like that out of her mouth. Race wasn't an issue. Um, into well treated on an island that wasn't why I had a negative experience. Basically, like all lives matter in the thing. Yep. I thought so. I personally, so I'm in a group chat. The Kieran, the host, and my cousin and me, and me and my cousin were there. We're telling them from day that she ain't the one. You know that that whole all skin folk, eight king folk thing. She yep. ain't king folk. Yeah, she ain't king folk. And when she left, when she left the villa, she went went and showed herself. And then well, when they knew, they knew who they were picking. 
Because mm-hmm. they couldn't, they could not think about it. A show like Love Island cannot have anyone that is black, t black, black, black all up on there. They can't. Mm-hmm. You can't have anyone that's pro black on that show because you just can't. <laughs> you actually cannot. Think- like, Ovi was the exception, but he's not black, t black, black, black. I don't know about that. I think. Like, oh, what? So, like, the next year we had your one day and we had Ovi who would say with like the dark skin black representation. Yeah. And I think by contrast, like, neither of them displaced us or the They didn't. They didn't. But when I say they're not black, see black, 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 what I mean by that is I personally, obviously, this is my personal opinion. I personally can't see them going on TV or being in, the, or maybe they didn't show it. I don't know. But talking about certain issues. Not mm-hmm. to say that they wouldn't go to bat for us if needed, but I wouldn't say that they would actually hold people accountable. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. But then do you not think that, like, when you're in a show like that, all comers on you, you're in an all-white household, do you not think it's hard to do that, man? Do you not think it's hard to, like, pull yeah. things out? No, because look at the whole your one day, whatever the 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 the, the, the chitter that wash her legs his name is Lucy. Oh, Lucy, yeah. Look at that when that situation erupted again. You one day hold her own when Lucy's like, oh, what's your name? You one day, can I call you why? No, my name is your one day. Yeah. Like you one day held her ground with that. And when I when I got told when I obviously read the thread and heard her side and stuff, I was like, you know what, one, because this is what they do to us on a daily. So I'm glad you stuck up for yourself. Because she easily could have been like, yeah, fuck it, call me why. Yeah. So no, like I don't, I don't think it's 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 difficult to have conversations. If you need to back yourself, back yourself. Yes, there is the you have you run the risk of of dealing with the angry black woman trope, and I get it. But at the same time, I'm not tolerating no disrespect. My name is Yoande. My name is not why. Can I call mm-hmm. you? No, you can't call me that. My name, this is my name. And it's not even hard. Mm-hmm. So I think they should be having them conversations. And if, if there's disrespect, call it out. Yeah. Yeah. I know if I, like, if I was on Love Island this year, I would have, like, it inevitably would come off, like, conversations about Black Lives Matter. Black of Lives course. Matter. About taking a knee, all of that stuff. The whole, like, culture wars that we're having now, seeing that left and right and cancel culture. I mean, all of that does come up, but I feel like it gets edited out. And obviously, these people are, are speaking are with each other 24 hours a day. But when you True. watch the show, all you ever hear about is like they're making their forced conversations about, oh, I want to get to know you. Oh, he's, he's, my, he's my type of paper and all of that. So it's basically to keep the show going. I yeah, no, I they, get that. So they, they so they, much time. Yeah, they can't have, well, yeah, they can't have like all that stuff on TV and even that. You know, they only give them one glass of alcohol a night. Yeah, I think I, I forget anything like that. Yeah. So, that's yeah. it. They only give them. So that's why. Do you remember when, what's her name? When Molly May dropped her wine and Maura was like, no! It's because yeah. they only get one glass. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get it, but it's kind of rude. You only give me one, gl- one glass of Dega Dega wine for. <laughs> I was like, you used to talk to these people for how many hours in the day? You're only going to give me one dega dega glass of wine to talk to these yeah. crusty ass people. 
for 24 nah bro you're taking the piss <laughs> it's the truth it's the truth but yeah I I'm not sure whether I'm going to watch this year if I do then I'm rooting for as uh, Easter race <laughs> I'm rooting for everybody, everybody black, black. black. <laughs> and, and everybody brown because there's an Asian girl in there too oh yes 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 of course what's that I can't course. remember her name but I know she's a sing that's all I remember yeah yeah <laughs> Like, oh, no, yeah, like, everybody black or brown. I hope, to be fair, I honestly hope that the black and brown people in this season do well. I hope they do yeah. very well. Um, I hope they don't have the black people looking stupid. To be fair, it's not only black people, the black woman, because the black girl, there's always going to be, the black guy, sorry, there's always going to be a white girl that fetishizes black guys. So he's safe. He's always going to be safe. Or they're going to put the black people together from the get-go and that's them. Mm-hmm. Like they did with Mike and the other one. The uh, Leanne. That was that her name? Yeah, Leanne. Yeah, that one then. If if they do that again, then, you know, mm-hmm. two black people together are going to be stuck. But I just don't want them to do the black girl dirty because you see it every season. And I'm to be honest with you, I'm sick of the embarrassment. And it's not even embarrassment in terms of, like, shame or anything like that. But certain white men don't find women like me attractive. Yeah. So why are you forcing them to like me for? Yeah. Do you not think being like being like a dark skinned black woman on Love Island is just like actually being a dark skinned black person and a dark skinned black woman? Because you know that like the whole world is watching you. You also know that like the community, black Twitter, is watching you, and like any any steps you put wrong. If you like, even if you mention like all those matter sentence, man, that's it. You're, you're, you're like you're done basically. It's you're ever, stress. Gonna forget that it's a lot. Of, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's stress. Like I feel bad for anyone that goes on the island, but in particular, the black people because all collectively we're like, don't shame us, don't shame us, don't shame us. That's all we're mm. saying. Beg you, don't shame us. And then you've got as as the man. Like I said, you're fetishized. So there's going to be some chick, Chloe, Melissa, Becky. One of them is going to like you. One mm-hmm. of them is going to root. One of them is going to bag you. But as the black woman, it, yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And then, and even in saying that, like when I said, obviously, you've got some white men that don't find women like me that, that are my complexion attractive. You've got black men with the same complexion. They don't find me attractive because, mm-hmm. you know, they want me to be lighter. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like black women can't win. Yeah, we're not we're, yeah. we're not perceived as sexy by our own. I'm not perceived as sexy by any other races. Some of the time, obviously, not saying everyone. I'm just saying sometimes mm-hmm. because you see, like I've got a very diverse friendship group, let's say, and you see it sometimes just with the guys that approach the group. You've mm-hmm. got three dark skinned girls. Yeah. Four, four dark-skinned girls, a couple of Asian girls, white girls. Most of the time, the black men, they ain't checking for the four, eight, the four dark-skinned girls. They're checking for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're all ugly because I don't have ugly friends. So <laughs> I know it's not that. Mm-hmm. But we're just not what they're looking for. And you know what? Your preference is your preference. I'm not judging. It's fine. I'm not saying you have to find me attractive because we're both black. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you can always tell the black guy that don't fuck with black girls. You can always tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I so see that to be fair. It's hard. So I, like yeah. I said, I'm rooting for everybody black and brown. In the words of Issa, 100%. I hope they all do well. And mm-hmm. um, I'm slightly excited for Casa Amor already. The shit ain't even started yet, but I'm really excited for the drama that Casa Amor brings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And on that note, I think we should probably start wrapping up. We've been at this for ages. <laughs> we have. We can talk for England. We really can. <laughs> so, right. Let's um, do it one more time so people don't, people don't forget. So, what? The Departure Lounge podcast. Yes. The Departure Lounge podcast. We have episodes every Thursday. Um, this week's episode should be out Thursday. Uh, this week's episode is on travel stories, I do believe. Um, you can find us at, let me bring up the Twitter. You can find us at, hold on. So on uh, Twitter, it is Departure Lounge. Um, it's spelled a bit funky. So it is D-E-P-A-R-T-R-E, then Lounge. Um, that's Twitter. The Instagram is also, it should just be the Departure Lounge, but I'm going to make sure. Um, yeah, Departure Lounge podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, sorry. And my personal Instagram uh, is Cassie's Kitchen. So you can follow me on that if you like what you hear. All right, excellent. Well, thank you so much for being to my co-host, Cass. Anytime, anytime. Hope you're welcome back. You and Tilly have to come have to come back anyway so we can we can join forces. Get those oh. get those vibrations going so it won't be the time you're on the podcast. Woo. But anyway, thank you so much for recording with me. And yeah, that's it, that's about three. So Yay, yeah. thanks for having me, dude. Right, I'm gonna party.